0: back everyone this week we got the one and only brendan quinn pot of the or friend of the pod now i would say
1: yeah that's right Proud guy.
0: Yeah. i don't know i don't i mean you might be the first returner i'm not really sure but i, I want to keep making that a thing first and foremost where are you right now and how's the golf season going
1: i am in michigan uh for now i think i, I spend most of the next week in Move it this way to get some better light. Um, I am in Toledo next week for uh the Solheim Cup, which is like the women's rider cup. Uh and then two weeks after that I will be in Wisconsin for the Ryder Cup. And then that's it. Back to basketball. Uh back probably where I belong. I still don't I'm still surprised some of these country clubs and stuff open the door and let my scraggly ass come walking in there. But uh yeah. It's it's been a cool it's been a cool summer some really cool places cool stories and uh, you know it's not much of an off season anymore but that's all good.
0: No, you've been non-stop. Like you liking that or it's just kind of like see where it goes.
1: Yeah, I get stir crazy if I uh, typically. So I like traveling. I like going to new places. Um, golf does like kind of lend itself to some of the writing I like to do. So yeah, it's you know there's a lot of Smarter people who know far more than I do uh, about golf. So there's a degree of humility, which is probably really healthy. Yeah. But uh no, it's fun. Yeah, but nobody else. And you're in act. Indy now, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. Back. Yep. I'm in Indy here, here for good now. So this is home base. I gotta change. I gotta change my setup. I think the guys that feel the Sixty Eight they don't like my deer head, but otherwise, this is where I'm at now.
1: Did you uh, did you catch that yourself?
0: I, I I certainly did not in fact those <laughs> those were found on the ground I think those were shed and then my girlfriend's dad you know put them on that metal head and apparently she liked it enough to put it on the wall it wasn't my choice to put it that
1: way oh yeah no I, I mean at this day and age you got to have like the full-blown uh zoom background you know you got to get the the frame jersey was a nice touch it was a bit of a flex
0: I, I got, you know, I'm going to flex again. I mean, it's sitting over here right next to me. I just got to set go. up my, uh, my home office now. And I, I've only been living in this house with my girlfriend for a little bit, so I'm not fully set up. So don't worry people. I'll be flexing again.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just make sure they know in case you don't know. Now, you know,
0: yeah, exactly. Like the jersey
1: behind you. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> we got, a. Uh, I I could talk to you about golf all the time. But this is not a golf podcast, even though unfortunately it's not, maybe I should add some of that into it. Just have you on for like a golf park. Love it. But we just had, as the beginning of us recording this, we'll get into some Michigan basketball, but Amani Bates just committed to Memphis. Quick thoughts, quick procedures. Apparently he was supposed to commit Friday, and now it's happening now. Like, what's going on?
1: I would say this week of his, him actually final, finalizing his commitment to Memphis, which has been pretty well known for a while now, uh, but I would say the handling of this week perfectly summed up. <laughs> uh most of the year most of his recruitment in general most of kind of just the general um chaos isn't the right word because that's probably far too uh exaggerated but just the you know when you least expect it something happens and that's kind of just always been the deal here for for a while you know no one ever no one saw the, the Michigan State thing coming um no one saw the timing of the Michigan State decommitment coming. Uh, all along, you know, when I wrote uh, – reported out the profile piece that I did on him uh, in the middle of the year, um, which I don't know if you would have seen that. You were probably deep in the weeds and uh, playing ball overseas. But, um, you know, kind of did a big story on the, everything around Amani. So the creation of this school in Ypsilanti and, and his father and things like that. So the story wasn't about him in particular as much as everything else – And, um, you know, what I kind of found in doing that was nobody connected to that situation, thought there was a chance in hell of him playing college basketball, period, Michigan or Michigan State or not. Nobody thought it was um, a plausible scenario. Name, image, and likeness have dramatically changed things that in conjunction, I think, with. You know, something that people might not talk enough about is yeah, you know, the G League doesn't want kids for two years. Yeah. Like that, I, I think for a long time, you know, the, the Bates camp kind of thought, you know, you play another year, um, get what would be a record offer from the G League, go play one year there and then to the league. Right. Um, well, now name, image and likeness is in effect so you can make significant money. But also, you know, if he went to the G League now, him playing two years in the G League, like, that's not good for the G League. They don't want that. They want you to go to college because it's a free <laughs> minor league system. In some cases, not not everybody, but they don't want guys going and playing two, three years in the G League. Um, it doesn't make sense for them. They'd rather get you for one year. They evaluate you the way they want to. You, they pay you this, and then you go into uh, kind of the beast, right? So... I think those two things in conjunction that that if they would have had an offer for a 1.5 million from the G league to play this year, he wouldn't be going to Memphis. Yeah. My understanding is the offer was somewhere in the range of uh, probably like 500 K, which is basically on par with what the the biggest names are getting. So um, I think those two things in in combination, you know, we're going to get a year, um, or two maybe i wouldn't think so i would think he would go to the g league after a year at memphis i still want to see him play at memphis frankly you know what i mean like anyone that just like thinks that this is now just booked he'll definitely be on the court in november nothing else will change there will be no curveballs i mean then (sighs) you just haven't been paying attention um i always said that i would believe amani would play college basketball when i was physically at a game watching him play college basketball so I guess I better get credentialed for wherever the hell Memphis is opening next year so I can uh eat that crow
0: (laughs) yeah exactly what uh you know because I'm I'm foreign to what happened with him and Michigan State and everything but that was had to be devastating for him and Izzo and I want to get into some Izzo stuff him versus Howard and the transfer portal but what like what happened with the commitment and decommitment and like, did something fall apart, or was just because their camp, like like you said, things were changing day to day?
1: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the original commitment, um, if you remember, they announced on ESPN, kind of out of the blue one afternoon in, in the mm-hmm. summer. When the hell would that have been? I guess, would that have just been last summer? Yeah, that's it. it yes. Um, Izzo was alerted within 24 hours of the commitment. Most of the staff did not know it was coming. Most people at Michigan state had no idea it was coming. So it was kind of out of the blue. Um, It not so coincidentally coincided with them announcing the creation of the school that EJ Bates, Amani's father uh, created called Ipsy prep. Um, So they announced that the school was being created and they announced that he was committing to Michigan state on live television. Um, You know, Nobody even then really thought that he was going to actually play at Michigan State. No one thought he was going to play college basketball, period. Um, yeah. And that includes people at Michigan State. Um, yeah. it, it put him in a weird spot, kind of, because they were also having to recruit with him committed to the class, knowing that there was probably very little chance that he was actually going to play there. Um, yeah. You know, So finally the the decommitment comes, and it was, I, I think, to go – Maybe to market a little bit. I don't know what what it was. You know what I mean. Um, he would have been a terrible fit at Michigan State. It, it never. I don't see it working. Um, you know the 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 coaching that he he's never had. Kind of coaching like Izzo. I mean, it would have lasted a week. Him in and in a him and a Tom Izzo practice would have lasted a week. I, I'm convinced of that. Um, so the the decommitment. Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of freed him up to go find a new place. Uh, was Memphis in play all along? I don't know. Um, but yeah, let's also, this needs to be very clear. Like mm. him continuing to name Michigan State as a possible desti- that was not happening um, at all. And frankly, I thought it wasn't particularly cool that they were continuing to list Michigan state when everyone knew he that that was not going to happen because now for people that might not pay attention they think oh he decommitted and now Michigan State lost this kid like that's not really the case you know what I mean like yeah there when he announced it for Memphis right now there was not like a a loud sigh up at Breslin but then what he's going to Memphis you know like that's just not it's just not reality so um I don't know if they thought that they were doing Michigan State a favor by continuing to announce them, by giving them publicity, or you know maybe if there was still a five percent chance he changed his mind, but like uh, that was not going to happen. So I don't know, man. It's such a bizarre situation, and the scene at Memphis. I I have to get. Yeah, you know, I already mentioned it to a, uh, my editor. Like set, set me up in a B and B, an Airbnb, and send me down um, for yeah. Season. I mean, that is going to be an incredible scene. You got Dern, you got Amani Bates, you got Larry Brown, you got Penny, <laughs> you got uh, like Bonzi Wells in the mix. Rasheed Wallace is down there. They've got a returning roster, like with with some dudes. Landers Nollies there. Like like they've got guys. So man, that is going to be like must see TV. Um, just an incredible show. I don't remember when uh, Amazon did that Michigan football doc. Yeah, they need to do that. They need to, everyone needs to get down to. to I feel Memphis like they and, would
0: accept. I feel like Memphis is a team. <laughs> mhm. You know, Penny's a guy like that would be an easy one for me. Yeah. Yeah. You can never do it at Duke because obviously Coach K is who he is and more buttoned up. But like, why wouldn't you do it, at Penny? Like, I feel like Penny is the type of guy. Juwan's similar. Like, just to ask. Mhm. I agree. You you bringing up him and Michigan State and like tagging along schools. And I was just talking to one of my buddies about a top 50 football recruit in the state. he has got Alabama, USC, Florida, like all these schools on his list. And he puts IU in his top five. And it's like, what are you doing, kid? Like, just just leave him alone. Like, don't do that to people. Why are you like, you're not cool. Like, people aren't going to love you more. Just leave it alone.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. As you're, if you're really thinking about it, and, like, I mean, it's cool to see Indiana football get elevated just to have their name amongst those schools, but you're also, like, you're playing with people's emotions, man. Like, there are, there are lunatic fans that not, are not just ready for the heartbreak that you're about to just slam them with because the delusion that takes place is, is always crazy. There was a kid earlier this year, I think it was a dude who transferred to uh, Indiana, actually, from Pitt what the hell is his name? I'm blanking on his name. I don't know he's a big scorer from Pitt. He just transferred to Indiana. I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Um, but he listed five schools. It was high majors and St. Joe's, my alma mater. And yeah. like in my group text, you know, a couple of guys were like, Whoa, check out this dude. You know, he's just mentioned St. Joe's. I'm like, I, I don't know anything about this kid, but I'm looking at this list. I can tell you right now, he's not going to St. Joe's. It's not happening. So yeah, man, people, uh, People take the bait every time. You feel bad. <laughs> every single time. Every single time. I are
0: mean, hanging on. I mean, I'm, I'm glad. Well, we're still not past the days. I mean, people are still, like, chirping at recruits on Twitter and stuff. It's like, that stuff. Oh, yeah. A, it's a joke. But.
1: Did, uh, did anyone chirp uh, anyone at you during your – what was your final list of schools?
0: Man, I had the weirdest, weirdest recruitment. I had – who I thought, like, a bunch of Big Ten schools, like a few Big Ten schools in Notre Dame were going to offer. And then we had one bad tournament and everyone just went crickets. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hear any of them. How late was it? It was right before senior year. It was the last tournament in Vegas, last AAU tournament in Vegas, like in, you know, <laughs> in July, whatever it is. Or beginning of August. Okay. And that was it. And I was like, well, I hope all the kids pass in Michigan for my scholarship offer. It was like Clay Thompson and Kyle Kirk, some <laughs> other kids. And I'm like, yeah, they're not going to go to Michigan. So it's probably going to happen, but it was that or Harvard, basically. I mean, I, I even tried to commit to Colorado because all these schools are dropping off. And I called Colorado and Jeff Bezdelic. And I was like, I want to yeah. commit. And he was like, mm, we can't accept your commitment. Like, you don't want to go here. <laughs> you want to go to Michigan. And I I remember somewhere on the highway crying with my parents. I was in the back seat. Like, they didn't, they didn't want me. And they were right. Oh, I, like, I didn't, didn't want to go to Colorado. It was not where I wanted to go. But I was
1: like, I thought it was my only chance. Wow. Yeah. Do you wonder what, what, what how different things would be if you had gone to Harvard? Uh
0: yeah, it would have been I think it would have been a lot different. I think my overseas career would have been different. I think Yeah, I, I think I would have played totally different there. So it would have been right. no. I can I sat there for a while, a few years post college and fantasized about what ifs, what that stuff, but then I've I've luckily given that up. I don't sit there at night and think about it, but
1: would Tommy have already been there?
0: yeah so he was the one he was the one recruiting he was recruiting you? I mean, he was, interesting he was like i would have been like their biggest recruit which is hilarious but he was going <laughs> hard hard at me and so it felt good and then we played them one or two years later and i i think i had my career high that game and i was like that felt good too man good stuff yeah it's weird i don't That's wish recruitment stuff. on on anybody it's the oddest weirdest times. like you see all these guys like a money-based dad and people are like all these handlers are you know doing it wrong blah blah and it's like there's no playbook nobody nobody tells these kids how to do it everyone's just on their own even if people are giving advice you're just on your own
1: yes yeah i mean the and you can see it's always interesting like t- like when you get like getting to know people kind of early in the process and then seeing that kind of the roller coaster that that goes through it and you can see the eyes get big and they think of all the possibilities and then things get real and they realize the realities of, you know, the game a lot and just how things can come and go. Like this past year for Imani has not been easy. And it's easy to forget that at the center of this is like this 17 year old kid who's been commodified since he was 12. You know, how many yeah. people have made money on Amani Bates YouTube clips? You know what I mean? Who have no ties to the family at all. So, like, when people wanted to, like, criticize him for, you know, the creation of the school and, you know, the, how the AAU program was handled and all that, uh, like, the, the central theme of the story I wrote was control. This dad who had no idea didn't sign up for this. You know, he didn't realize – he didn't go out to raise a prodigy. He was not Earl Woods, right, in, in that yeah. way. And suddenly he right. becomes this thing, and he ends up trying to spend his high school career keeping his hands – around this whole situation which was impossible all along and i i mean were there missteps along the way no doubt but like yeah. i don't know i i don't know how many people would be able to handle what you know they just have been trying to navigate
0: no it's only after the fact that you go oh that was wrong like you don't know exactly what's in the moment but you can I, it's easy to criticize after so having a kid and doing that as a parent, like I've calmed down on criticizing. Now there's definitely some outliers who are like, all right, dude, shut the hell up. Like you're doing what you're doing, but yeah, it's just a tough spot uh, regardless. Um, I want to move on. We talked, you know, you, you mentioned you wanted to talk about some NIL stuff um, and I had Hunter on the podcast and he said, And you alluded to this with Amani and going to Memphis, that you know, Hunter said that you you know it made it easy for him to return to Michigan because of that stuff, Mm -hmm. name, image, and likeness. You can make money off of it now. And it seems like that's a huge win for college basketball. All the college fans want to talk about how they don't like him, blah, 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 amateurism, you know, all that just idiocracy. I truly believe it's dumb. And now you got guys literally coming, Amani going to college. You got your growing talent pool, you got guys coming back because of it is exactly what you want. So, you know, what have you seen from that? And have you seen anything from, you know, from that perspective in terms of Hunter or just, you know, in general in college basketball?
1: Yeah, I think um, Amani's case is so unique just because of his age, right? And in any other world, he's likely going, right? He, this isn't really a, a a road for him. But Hunter, I feel like, is like the perfect case study in in the difference that this is going to make in terms of, you know, people like us who are – of college basketball um, you know want to see the game healthy want to see it be a um, not only good for the schools and the fans but also the guys who are producing streams of money right so um, for for this to become a more viable option is awesome and and Hunter being a a great uh, example of that where you know maybe he just jumps just for the sake of jumping you know like that's what especially with the other dumbass rules in place about not being able to return. If you go undrafted and things like that, like no one should be taking unnecessary risk. Right. So this does make it um, a, a safer space to not expose yourself. Right. And not, and not make a decision that you're going to regret uh, a week later, because you've got bad advice or you've got bad information from one team that maybe plays a little fast and loose saying, yeah, we'll take you at 45. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That shit happens all the time. So, you know, eliminating – and, like, that rule still needs to be changed or, or somehow that if you go undrafted, it's still ridiculous that you can't – that this now just eliminates your, your college playing days. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, what was it? The pitcher from Vanderbilt got drafted, couldn't come to an agreement on a contract with his Major League Baseball team and now was just returning to Vanderbilt. To, like, how the hell is that allowed in baseball and not in basketball? I mean, I, we both have uh, pretty good guesses of why, yeah. you know, why that is the case. But, um, yeah, so I, I think that the doors that are going to be open from this, but I, I was talking to some people at Michigan right when Hunter made the, the uh, decision, and I was like, you know, the – wildly interesting thing about this is we have no idea what this is worth. Like, could he make 5,000? Could he make 15,000? Could he make 50? Could he make 100? Like, no idea, right? I mean, it's totally uncharted waters. And, uh, and it's, you know, if we feel that way, imagine being the kids.
0: No, completely. I mean, it's (laughs) completely exciting for all of them. I mean, even got like, I think during the tournament, there was an article written about followers. What players are the most followers? I think Adrian Nunez had like top 10 mm-hmm. the entire NCAA tournament, you know, wasn't even playing. So like guys like that, I can bank. But, you know, I still have question marks and maybe there's things in the works or there's already deals been made with Hunter. But, you know, there's a kid out of Columbus who got a dollars truck from this. You know, he's a recruit. $8,000 truck for doing some commercials or posts or whatever for this dealership in Columbus. Like mm-hmm. where is that going to come from with the Michigan alum? They're rich, wealthy, fast yeah. alum of Michigan. Like why isn't there already something going on with Hunter or his faces on something or doing some type of deal? Maybe there is. I maybe have haven't seen it, but I'm, I, I don't know. I just haven't seen anything yet.
1: Yeah. I feel like you're going to see um, in the next year, probably more and more uh, middlemen for lack of a better term get involved you're going to see companies start to kind of pop up that end up negotiating these deals and and putting um athletes in contact with potential advertisers and whatever it may be because like i get it while some of it's on the school but like at the same time you know schools it, like you're talking about an entire de- like building out an entire de- different department to yeah. have like people handling student athlete nil deals like i don't know how much that falls on the school like education wise what you can and can't do absolutely that's on them yeah actually making deals happen i don't know if you can ask schools to do that um maybe in a very perfect world maybe if one of the, it's one of those things if you scrap the ncaa right and and just rebuild it all over again that's something that would be in place but that's obviously not possible so um you're going to end up seeing almost like many agents i think um you know kind of start to facilitate these deals and um you know the schools need to probably be open to you know making sure that they are getting the okay on timely things and stuff like that you know like you, you can't be putting um athletes in situations where they're waiting 2 weeks for approval on minor no. things because like one of my big questions is who is the dude from uh, in the Indiana Ohio state game right who do- who dove and hit the pylon with the ball. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. And, and people, people started making t-shirts of, yep. you know, of, the, of an outline of the play. It didn't have Indiana's logo on. It didn't have anything. But any asshole in a basement, right, can draw that, slap it on a shirt, sell it, make thousands of dollars, right? Like, the, yeah, I feel like the beauty of the NIL rule is let the player make that t-shirt, right? He puts it out there he puts his Venmo out there and the guy who actually made the play is now getting paid you know what I mean so but part of that's going to be on the school making sure that you know they get the okay that blah 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 um I assume that's something that's okay I don't know why it wouldn't be but um yeah I, I don't know I there's going to be all kinds of interesting stuff that I think just pops up like the football season is going to be is going to I think uh, like usual pave the way for what we end up seeing in
0: basketball Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then one of the big things with Michigan now that Hunter, you know, viewed his issues with was the use of the Block M. And yeah. I read somewhere that, you know, that's licensed through IMG and mm-hmm. it takes a whole, that's a whole issue for Michigan to really let it out. You know, I, they obviously do it, they do it with, Uh, vendors and apparel companies like it happens that's not you know img or michigan owned so like that does happen how much time that takes i don't know you know have you heard anything about that and their slow-footedness on it and you know being able to keep up with other schools other bigger schools in terms of letting you know the use of their images be used by the players
1: yeah i don't like what other schools have allowed it
0: Honestly, I don't know. I know that Hunter said like, they'll, you know, schools are allowing it. I don't know whether. I've know, been seen
1: up- other schools that have allowed it because like, I feel like this is a really tricky area where it's easy to say, yeah, you know, let them use it. But that's kind of a, it's man. It's. No, it's very tricky. Yeah. It's a bit of a free, you know, you're allowing for a bit of a free for all. And like, you know, that is, that is the university's property. And there are agreements in place with other entities that, You know, I don't think that you can just say, yeah, everyone have it. Like, I think, like, coaches can't just use the Michigan logo, you know? Like, I remember that, wasn't, remember that, like, milk commercial that Harbaugh was in or whatever? (laughs) Like, you know, and he had, like, a blue polo shirt on, right? And he didn't, he wasn't wearing his Bo Beckler hat. Like, there was no M in it. That's purposeful, right? Like, you think of, like, the old coaching videos, the instructional videos, you know? Like, it would always be, like, the, the, the coach in, like, the blank polo, right? Or, like, a, the, the faded out logo on the side. Um, like, this is just the way the world works in terms of trademarks. Um, if yeah. you're a professional athlete, like, you don't get to wear – like, LeBron can't wear his Lakers jersey in a, like, Nike ad. All right, maybe he can because it's a Nike jersey. But, like, you get my point. Like, you've seen those right. ads where, you know, purposefully – the player's position that you don't see any logos on it. And it's, it's all trademark. So I just don't know how, like, I think the Mden thing was cool and you're going to see more of that with the players having the, the jerseys like the football team with their, are getting a, a portion of Jersey sales and stuff like that. Um, are they doing it with
0: names and, and the M and all of it, like legit jerseys? Yeah. I
1: mean, I think the official jerseys, you know, they're, they're going to be getting a cut. However, that's playing out. I assume you'll see that in basketball too. Um, but that's a slippery slope, and mm-hmm. I'll tell you one thing that's for damn sure. It's like there's no way is going to be like, yeah, use it, and we'll figure things out down the line. That's no, not happening. That's no. not happening. So I, I don't know how much of it is just, like, things that aren't really plausible versus, uh, to use your word, like slow-footedness because I don't think they're looking to get there. So I don't think it's going to be – they're slow-footed at anything. I think it's just going to be the way it is.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of it was apparel and, I mean, jersey stuff, and that I- – I don't know why, you know, pump out some basketball jerseys right now. Like, get it going, mm-hmm. get some hype going. People will be, you know, obviously, Michigan fans will be dying to be first in line for that stuff. That stuff can sell out almost. Um, and I think a lot of what Hunter was saying was apparel stuff. Yeah, you go to a commercial, it's very different. Like, there's a lot of too many things to jump through where you got to connect a car, car dealership and their right. law. law team and like with michigan's and blah blah blah. i i get that um it's the it's the scare that you know they'll right now what they said to hunter was that's it we're not like you can't use the am right not even like we're working on it we're gonna do some Mm -hmm. deals he didn't mention anything about a jersey i imagine they're gonna do something with that i don't know i mean obviously they came to agree with football players they gotta do something with basketball players but it was the sort of what seemed like lack of communication or willingness mm-hmm. to work towards something. And like you said, hey, that's Michigan. You know, that's a lot of entities like it's not slow footed in this, they're not even gonna do it. So right. that might be the case and who knows. It, 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 everything will play out as it will and we'll be able to evaluate later. Um, but yeah, I just heard a lot of unhappy people and I don't know. I don't know how it's gonna go. I know that they can't like negotiate deals. You know, Hunter can't come in and do a Nike deal with Michigan on the contract. Now, what can you advise the kids? Can you-
1: yeah, that's stuff, and like that's another thing. I have no idea how that's going to play out. Like, what if a kid? You know, what if a, Adidas wants to sign? You know, a, a Michigan basketball player. Yeah. To do stuff. So? I, I I don't know how don't that
0: pretend. works. I don't know. I think there's. <laughs> I don't, pretend, I don't of,
1: pretend to have any idea either.
0: Yeah. I. Because I, I, I doubt those are even anywhere close to there's no wordage for that in the contracts, the current contracts. Now, I think, right, you know, Nike can go and threaten Michigan if somebody has an Adidas player, be like, we'll do this. But, like, I can't imagine there's any outright language there. But, you know, eventually they're going to have to make, you know, schools will renegotiate these contracts on behalf of their players for that stuff. I don't know. It's going to get real messy, but
1: um, it's just a must at this point. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is, you know, willingness to get creative. And I think that's what probably most players are asking for and hoping for is just that general kind of, you know, don't, don't look to be saying no, Um, you know, look to be, and that's, you know, maybe that's probably where Michigan and maybe a lot of other, you know, more traditional places can probably be, you know, looking to be more proactive at, um, at the same time, like you know, you're there's also like every athletic department are, is are, is built with people who have jobs. You know, like where is this other you know where where yeah. <laughs> is this entire other department coming from to handle this stuff? Is 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 tough because you know, and it's not only basketball and football. Like uh, you know, I was at the USAM at Oakmont, and a kid from Michigan State wins the USAM. Like that's a big deal in golf. It's yeah. a big big deal. And, you know, like in my world, like he should be able to come up and can he sign with Callaway? Can he sign with whatever and use his own equipment next year while he's playing? You know, can he be – can he go work at a uh, – do clinics at courses and be making money? Like if you're the U.S. amateur champion, you say, I'm going to go set up at this country club for the day and I'm giving clinics and it's – five hundred dollars for you know two hours to show up you would get a lot of people showing up forking over five hundred dollars like where does all that stuff fall online you know um i don't know because at the same time michigan state was quick to put his face on a billboard yeah throughout the state you know congratulating him for michigan state golf you know it was his face with the michigan state logo (laughs) what if he wants to put up his own billboard
0: you know yeah. It's totally different, totally different <laughs> subject. And you don't know where that kid's going to go. I mean, he might flame out in big 10 golf. Like that was thought, his opportunity I mean, to capture some money. Yeah. Like, for every
1: Bryson DeChambeau who, you know, wins the AM and then goes on and has an amazing career. There are the guys that win the AM and you never hear from them ever again.
0: Yeah. It's, um, it, it's just something that you don't want to get caught behind, especially mm-hmm. in the, with the big schools. And I, I don't know. I mean, it, I hesitate to say it, but I, you know, I went on a podcast and we were talking about how Howard can't be super happy with, you know, the slow footedness, quote unquote, that you don't even, mm-hmm. you know, recognize, which I, I understand. But, you know, a guy like that, you know, it's got to be a thing where coaches are now even battling against it. I guess maybe Izzo's more of a, uh, you know, conservative on, on that end but a guy like Howard I feel like is definitely you know player first wants these things to happen and does not want it to interfere with recruitment and I think don't yeah you don't need to get ahead of other schools we don't want to be lagging behind all that much and I think that's like one of the biggest fears of Michigan because let's be honest recruitment you know has been everything for Michigan fans and especially Michigan football and this has really picked up in the last 10 years with Michigan basketball but Man, it is. That's a scary game you're playing. If there are things you aren't doing,
1: yeah. I mean, uh, right now, if I was a Michigan fan, I wouldn't be too worried about basketball recruiting. (laughs) Right, right. I'm not worried um, about the basketball side of it, to be honest. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's fair. I mean, it's, it's really hard because, um, you know, without being there every day, without talking to Every athlete about this stuff. Like you just don't know what is um, what's reality versus what's being interpreted by athletes. And like the, I've heard stories of schools, schools that both both of us know, having clinics on name, image, and likeness, and what they can do, and they're instructional and all this stuff. And you know, fifteen percent of the student athletes attend it. You know. 10% of, you know, your major programs are actually that people are there yeah. being proactive to learn it. Right. It's a two way street. Like the school can only do so much. Right. But like, if, if you're going to put the information out and like no one shows up and then those people are like, Hey, what the hell's going on? Like, where's my name image and likeness money. You're like, well, it doesn't work that way. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that. So, you know, it's, in terms of how people are interpreting how these things are being handled um i take a lot of it and this isn't like speaking specifically to hunter but like i take a lot of it with kind of a grain of salt you know like it's okay that's your experience what are other people's experiences and things like that you know right
0: yeah there's always anecdotes for everything that you know mm-hmm. it doesn't always mean everything um and again wait wait for the football season to happen And then even wait for this basketball season to happen. This is everyone's first round of this. And to be reactionary is, I don't know, mainly pointless. You can only just learn from what you can do, basically, or learn from the past a little bit. But, yeah, that's a lot of NIL talk. That was good stuff. Uh, i want to move on to a couple topics with you before we get out of here. Um, Mm -hmm. One being you've been on the golf beat, but, like, are you – Paying attention to Michigan basketball right now, what like do you get a sense? Have you talked to anybody about the team, the sense of the team, or are you just kind of like, give me a break and I'll get back to it? A- <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean, it's um, understandable. I've done, you know, I've done some preseason stuff and kind of gotten ready on the side. I, I had a long talk with uh, Juwan shit, six weeks ago. Or so, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm connected enough to know what's what's happening i don't you know it's not like closing doors and opening doors um yeah, on yeah. on what i'm paying attention to but uh yeah i mean the makeup of this team's really 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 interesting um i i mean it looks looks like another top 10 team to me you know yeah
0: it i mean it seems hunter said they could go 11 deep which is insane and i don't think that's even a good thing to do honestly but you know you got question marks about new guys transfers, whatever. I'm like, well, they did that. I mean, they did that last year and they seem fine and they seem like, you know, you got a veteran point guard and a guy who's coming into the zone and being a leader with Hunter. Like, I don't know. I don't see too many worries. I guess I would say that, you know, I'm not expecting an undefeated start or such a hot start. Like I, I, I would imagine there's going to be more bumps along the road because, you know, last year's success for Michigan, like, Yeah, they were good enough for it, but even that's, like, an anomaly. Like, that that just doesn't happen. It's very rare. Not an anomaly, but it's just – you got to expect some more bumps than that until, like, they didn't get too much until, like, the last five games, I feel like. And, you know, they had their issues with some games early on, like, but they always made their runs and won. And, you know, there's always question marks you can dissect every minute. But I don't know. I just – I'm not really worried for anything. There's, like, not much to say. It's just, like, let it happen.
1: It's like I kind of say yes and no on like the hot start thing because it, they are like they do have experience, you know. It's yeah, it's one of the – like you know, the teams that have like those bumps along the way, you know, they're typically the teams that are freshmen and sophomores and everyone's kind of finding that role and blah blah blah. Like, I look at this team and like, you know, us sitting here, we can scribble out a starting lineup right now, you know, and, and you know, probably put out a pretty um accurate minute distribution, like, it's not that hard to envision roles, right? Um, And you've got an older experienced backcourt, like Devontae Jones and Eli Brooks have combined to play like 200 college basketball games, you know, between the two of them. Um, You know, you've got all the sophomores from last year who got invaluable experience. Um, You know, you have a national player of the year candidate who's backed up by, you know, a four-year player in in Brandon um you know there's there, the the biggest question is how you you know how do you kind of feed all those faces basically because there's a lot of guys who are very talented um but shit you know you look at the schedule i don't I, <laughs> i'd be fairly surprised if they don't get to the first week of december which is obviously an enormous week undefeated you know you're, you go through buffalo and what's it prairie view in dc Um, I think they have Seton Hall in the Gavit games. Uh, There's that tournament out in Vegas, which is like, I think they open with UNLV and then they play uh, Wichita or Arizona. Uh, I'm not, if I'm Michigan, I'm not particularly, you know, you're the favorite to win that. Um, Yeah. Then they, you know, I'm sure they'll have another bye game or two here or there or whatever. And yeah, I think they're going to be like a top three team in the country when they get to that first week of December and they play, at Carolina, and Kentucky at home.
0: All right, well, you heard it here first. <laughs> that in. Am I crazy? crazy? I don't think that's that no, crazy. No, you're not though. crazy. Now, I was conflating because last year that's such a shortened non-conference mm-hmm. schedule that I was thinking when I was speaking, like, a lot, you know, the beginning of the Big Ten conference games. But what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And also, that's still hard. Like, you know, everything's on no paper. Doubt. That's still... That's still hard. My, my, my right, you thing, can shit
1: the bed in Vegas one night and lose to Arizona, of course. Right. Right. I mean,
0: I don't know. You have a, it's college kids. You got 25 turnovers and yeah. 100 misses, I don't know, eight free throws. Like, I don't know. It was crazy stuff. But, like, last year it was so many crazy games. I think the team was so good and so talented. But, then, I mean, so many games where they had to be bailed out by one guy. And, you mm-hmm. know, what it was Mike Smith who showed up you know, you know, how does Columbia days come back flashbacks, you know, Isaiah had to carry him for a little bit, Hunter in a few games, you know, that's not something you always want to rely on. And that's tough to do all the time, especially you got young kids coming in filling those roles in the wings. So I don't know, just don't expect the same thing is what I want to tell fans, not, not you, but like fans don't expect like one guy to save the day every, every game. Uh, You know, they're going to be sound offensively and defensively, but, the way it's set up, the, the thing, my thing, the whole thing is what I want, want to say about is the Michigan offense. And Juwan's is mm-hmm. free-flowing, and it's a lot of motion, like basic sets, and then it's kind of on your own. So that sets up for a interesting start about who's doing what when, and that took – it took Michigan all year to figure it out. Last year, they are just talented enough to save a lot of games. So it sets them – It sets them up for, you know, some learning to do. Where the Beeline, it was like day one. Like, you didn't have to step on the court for him to be like, Stuart, you are doing this this year. I'm like, dude, like, let me, let me, like, show myself a little bit. I've been working on stuff in the summer. It's like, no, 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 I know who you are. Like, this is it. Which, you know, you can have success both ways. But it's it's very open. So I think in that sense, like, it's going to take some time for them to get used to each other. Because you can only practice so much and know what what other guys are doing.
1: Yeah. And there's, especially in those first few weeks, you know, when we're going to be throwing out, you know, big takes based on, based on, you know, one, two, three games, whatever. You you just think about how much better Mike Smith was in ball screens at the end of the year versus the first couple of weeks. I mean, it's night and day. If you watched the first game versus, you know, NCAA tournament games, it's a different player because it's just growing into that role and getting a feel for playing that way, getting a feel like, you know, you can speak to this far more than I can, but when you're coming out of those ball screens, just having the familiarity with your teammates of guys' tendencies and how they move and all of these things and just getting that kind of yin and yang going, that takes time. So um, one of my, you know, people that I've talked to in the preseason has been like, you know, you watch Devontae, you kind of see various versions of him um, at Coastal. Can he kind of be that guy who is really head on a swivel, making good decisions out of those ball screens and, and keeping that kind of offensive continuity that everyone's kind of really grown very comfortable with watching under Juwan, right? Going from yeah. Xavier to Mike Smith, like it looks, looks a lot easier than it is those, because of those oh, two yeah. guys and what they did. Um, you know, can Devonte step in and replicate those things? Because I didn't think Mike Smith was going to. You know, when I was talking last year, I'm like, this dude from Columbia he's jacking shots all over the place. Like he's not going to be, and he's, you know, he's the size of a 13-year-old. Like, this is not gonna work. And I couldn't have been more wrong. So I'm like all in. I'm like, Devontae Jones, if the staff says that he can do it, then he can do it. So uh, but they are they are really high on his ability to as a as a willing passer. Um, and as someone who kind of wants to be that, you know, that conductor type type guy in in the backcourt. Yeah. And, you, you and, hit and he's a better head. defender than Mike.
0: Yeah. You, you hit the nail or hit the head on the nail um, with role. And, like, talent is a must. But you get a guy like Mike who comes in, you know he has the talent. He can shoot it 19 times if you really want him to. And he gets in there and it's the first few weeks and he's, there's so much talent around him that he's running a ball screen. And he's like, I don't know what to do because I can't shoot it. Cause it's probably not the right play because there's so much talent. I want to fit in. I don't know where to go with it. Like it's overwhelming. It's not that he's not good enough. It's that you have to get comfortable in that role and that takes time. And luckily, you know, they had the guys around them to, to keep winning without that. And he, you know, developed into that role, but it, it's, it's, far less talent and far more comfort in, in the mental side of everything. And you, right. you know, it just depends on who the player is. Like Devontae could be more like Sean D and step in and be like, I got this. Like, this is mine. Mm-hmm. This is what I do. I know nothing else. Or, you know, or he could be a little more cerebral. Like Mike, you just don't know what's going to happen until they yeah. step on that court and get tested. You know, you can come out and blow out a uh, Toledo and like, fine, cool. Like he can get eight assists and that mean nothing. And, you know, until they get tested, uh, it'll be interesting to see. But, you know.
1: I mean, I, I will say, especially, like, those early tests, like you talk about getting bailed out. Like, end of the day, those games where, you know, the threes aren't falling or whatever, the inevitable games of of November, right, that that you've, everyone has seen, Like, well, you do have maybe the best center in the country who's going to just get buckets, you know. Like, so you do have that bailout guy because – you know, who were the teams that defended Hunter well last year? It's all the teams in the back half the schedule. We played him for a second time and, and, you know, all of his tendencies and stuff like that. Well, these teams that he's going to be playing now in November of next year will not have seen him. They're going to try to, you know, obviously attack the tendencies from last year, but considering what he's probably doing this offseason, he's going to be a much more evolved player. He's going to dominate, I would think, early on. Um, but for me, like one more, like an overarching thought, I do feel like Eli coming back is probably the most overlooked, undervalued, like, roster move in the Big Ten, this offseason. Like, nobody's talks about it. Nobody seems to really highlight it or care about it. But, like, he is such an enormous um, luxury item to have of just the continuity, the smarts the on-court coaching, just everything that he brings in terms of, like, a college team being good, you know, those experienced teams that we see make Final Fours, win national championships. Like, they've got dudes like Eli Brooks on their team. Every time. Every time.
0: It is, (laughs) you know, the Big Ten coaches were not happy when they read that he was coming back. I talk about this all the time in basketball, especially on the defensive end. All it takes is one guy making a mistake, and that's it. You're screwed, especially with, you know, a 30-second shot clock, long plays, long possessions, like, one one guy. And if you can eliminate – Eli doesn't really make mistakes. He's not making mistakes. He's not mm-hmm. screwing up. Um, and you take away those chances of those mistakes happening. And, you know, you don't have to put some younger guy in there or some little more inexperienced guy in that position. Yeah, it makes a world of difference that you'll never be able to quantify whatsoever and you'll be, it'll be like oh, it feels like eli i feel like it's doing some good stuff but you gotta like really break down film like a right. full game film in order to appreciate what he's doing and i will say one thing it is the most frustrating thing in the world to be in that position <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Be like, hey, Stuart. What do you do best? Uh, I don't make mistakes. Like, okay, that's not basketball, buddy. Like, you're right. not good. I'm like, no, it, it's, right. it's very important. I'm, I'm telling you. Please listen to me. But it's, that's awesome. uh, yeah, it's, it, it is.
1: You need to have Eli on the show, and you guys talk about this. That I would like to listen to that.
0: I'm trying, man. I, I want to get him on real bad because we're in very similar spots. He's been, a, he's a better scorer than me, um, but. Yeah, it's very similar positions in terms of, like, role and responsibility and the defensive end. And, yeah, so it's something – But I he's such was- an interesting
1: guy. He's got, like, it's just his disposition. Everything about him is just – you mm-hmm. know, he's, he's just older. You know, he's just an older guy. Um, you know, and he came back for the right reasons, like, that he didn't get to have, like, the social scene of college last year. And, like, those things that, like, bothered him, like not being able to play in front of his friends and not being able to see non – Athlete people on campus, right? Yeah. Like things like that. Like I, he, I, he wants, to, from my understanding, he wants to come back, like for the the more immersive college experience, and that's awesome. That you know the, that the NCAA gave you know kids like that a chance to be able to do it. You know, so um that's I, I just wanted to slip that in because all we do is shit on the NCAA, but that, they got that one right. So um, no, they
0: did. You know what? Well, I, I You know, my jade itself, I will say it, it's like one of those things they give concessions to, you know, so they don't have to give. The real concessions. It was like, all right, you can have cream cheese in for your sure. bagel now, and they go, sure. "We're a hero. Here's your cream cheese on your bagel." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, but no they <laughs> did I admit, that. It was the right thing to do. So that was nice to see. They, and I mean, they didn't I, really pick on it.
1: I remember being asked um, at the end of last year, like, if you could get Mike Smith back for a year, shondi or Eli, if you get one of the potential super seniors back for the COVID year, I'm like. Without question, it's Eli. Yeah. Without question, um, and you know that's who they got back. So, man.
0: you you can find guys who want to score or run the pick and roll, but like finding guys who forty minutes want to do what Eli does, like that's not that's not an easy find. Right. All right. One last thing before we get out of here, I, I read mm-hmm. an article uh, from Andrew Kahn on M Live, and it was talking about the transfer portal and. Mm -hmm. Juwan stepping in very comfortable with it and andrew kind of broke down why Juwan would be more comfortable with it coming from nba and free agency and the, the high turnover that they always have and how izzo has been uh you know not quite as friendly towards it but has had to tap into it like have you seen you know it's i think it's easy to break down why Juwan is so friendly with it but like this is kind of a turning of the tide a little bit with college coaches where coach K has already come in and said, you know, he mm-hmm. quit on it. He's already quit on it. He's done with it. Izzo battled against it. You know, I know line didn't like it at all. You know, sure. transfers in general. Um, you know, are, are you going to see someone like Izzo? Are you gonna, I feel like he'll stay in it because he's stubborn and want to figure it out. But like, are we coming to the end of his wits with, you know, college basketball?
1: Uh... I don't. I mean, I don't know if I'd go that far. (laughs) Say what you will about Tom Izzo. He's going (laughs) to (laughs) retire. Tom Tom, Tom Izzo has has managed to adapt in basketball, like for being kind of an old style guy, and the reputation that he has. Like they've continued to adapt all the way along the way, and if there's talent available, uh, he's going to go get it. You know, he might bitch and moan and whine and complain about. the the transfer portal, but he's not, he's not complaining about getting players. He's complaining about what college basketball has become, but like anyone else, like, he's not just going to be like, make a statement and say, I'm not going to take players from the portal. There's no way he's already done it. You know I mean? He got the kid from Northeastern this year. And this is what I love about the college coaches. And this is like family members of mine included who are like they make these sweeping statements about what's best for the game. But then when they have to do it, you know, for their own survival, you know, yeah, he's going to go sign Tyson Walker. You know, he'll say um, what is the transfer portal going to do to these poor mid-majors? You know, who are going to, they're going to develop these guys and then the big programs are going to come around and take these players. And, and now the program and that coach is just, you know, left to, fend for themselves oh and then what does he do he goes and takes you know Tyson Walker does not end up at Northeastern like that's like a a top three player that Bill Cohen will ever coach at Northeastern with Tyson Walker and he just picked up and left for Michigan State instead of going and taking Northeastern to next year's NCAA tournament right like every coach is survival first and they want to win so you know Izzo will complain about it but it's more of the kind of holistic approach of what he thinks college basketball should be and that it's not 1985 anymore. So he'll stamp his feet and make a ruckus, but he's still gonna, he's gonna do what it takes to if he needs a point guard, he's gonna get a point guard. Right. Um and that's like all the way down the line. Right. My sister right? my sister coaches at Penn, I'm wearing my Penn field hockey hat right here. Uh she's the field hockey coach at Penn would get you know, she's a big proponent of USA field hockey and wants USA developmental programs to be better and gets furious when programs would go and take international kids, right? She's just like, you know, I wish I wish the better programs would have a little bit more willingness to bring in, you know, U.S. girls and develop them so that the U.S. team is more equipped to compete on the national, right? And this is like kind of a – that that's just how she – Feels about it in, in this like almost moral way of like, you know, we need to develop, you know, American field hockey. Well, it got down to it, and she realizes that she needs to compete. If she wants to compete for a national championships, you have to get international players. So now yeah. she brings in international players. It's like, it's everyone's the same. So uh, I
0: don't know. I mean, but the one thing I will say is that I think, you know, Coach K is bringing in all the top talent. He's got. Mm-hmm. He's had talent for a while now and has not won. And I think there's something that when you're, you know, there's something subconscious that can affect you. They're all humans and you're mm-hmm. grumpy about the state of what you have to do and your job and things are changing. And like, if you're not accepting, you know, that's got to do something to at least most of the college coaches who, who hate all this stuff. And if you were like, yeah, okay, I'll go get the guy, but you're still subconsciously grumpy all the time, and then you can't yeah. coach them, and you, you're going to run into walls constantly with your head first. Yeah, I mean, that's
1: used it, as opposed to, like, the coach that isn't even thinking about it and doesn't care. Right. Yes, you know, the one coach is certainly using more bandwidth, right. getting hot and bothered about, you know, the state of things, whereas, you know, maybe someone like Juan, it just doesn't even cross their mind, right, because, you know, care – and they didn't coach back when this stuff didn't exist. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, you know, like Martelli and Juwan having conversations about this would be like, like two aliens, you know, trying to speak in the same language. Cause you know, Phil feels the way that he does because he's been in college basketball for 85 years. Juan has it and it just doesn't even, it <laughs> doesn't even really register. So yeah, I mean, that's probably fair to say that, you know, some guys are gonna be more uh more prone to kind of let it bother them. And how does that affect or manifest? I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean it's certainly led to this change of the guard for sure, with all these, you know, and Tom probably has a few years left until he's fed up with it. Uh Bayheim, the second his son coaches his last game, he's out, right? Like yeah. it's it's definitely it's definitely sped up kind of the changing of the guard. I I feel like, and it's for better or worse, by the way, because, you know, you know, we can talk about these old school coaches and, and and poke holes in them all day. Um, But a lot of these guys uh, were kind of, you know, they were kind of the, I don't know, the, the proponents of college basketball because they were proponents of themselves, of course. (laughs) <laughs> but um they were they were the loudest voices and it's going to be interesting to see like what's who ends up kind of being the loudest voices in in college basketball after this because you know there's there there was very much a little club that kind of ran things and now those guys are gone and who fills that void yeah that, that
0: coaches association is uh oh my out. god
1: it's insane
0: <laughs> <laughs> the ear of the NCAA is not what it used to be Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. so that's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow that closely. I hope you uh can get some inside info for me when you when we get you back on. I want to hear some more of uh, Izzo's. You mean just get with Izzo and be like, so, so,
1: the game's passed you by. The transfer portal's gonna run you out of here. This is what I'm hearing from from a man Stu. Do you would you care to comment on these reports from his podcast? Who, Novak.
0: Was it Novak? <laughs> oh man! Oh, yeah. All right, Brendan, I appreciate you
1: All coming on. I'm happy to. Do it. Yeah. All right.